Well, we're, this is um, no, joy no matter what. This is part four. It's out of the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians. And uh, it's, a ser- it's a sermon about joy. But why in the world would we be talking about joy from the book of Philippians? Well, it's 16 times the word joy, rejoice, is mentioned in this passage. 16 times in this letter. And so we're going to go over that and talk about that a little bit today. Will you join me as I pray? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share today. We just invite the Holy Spirit to come to lead and guide this time. Help us, Lord. Uh, and when we think about Rosa down there, she was full of joy because uh, she was getting a new house. But I think maybe she was full of joy long before that because it wasn't based on her circumstances. And help us learn that today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You know, happiness many times is based on our circumstance, but joy is based on something eternal. It's something that comes from God. And so I want to teach us today, real quickly, if if possible, all right, uh, what I call joy stealers and joy givers. How many want some joy givers? Amen. How many want to throw out the joy stealers? Amen. So I'm going to talk about, from Philippians chapter 4, the first joy stealer, and that's division. That's division. And by the way, you should find the notes there. They're already prepared. You can kind of fill in. We did have a little problem today with the PowerPoint, so forgive me. I was hoping it would be a little larger than that, but hopefully you can read that. If not, you know, ask someone next to you to interpret, all right? (laughs) Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my beloved, long for brethren, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Eurodia and I implore Syntyche to be the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companions, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of light. Let your gentleness be made known to all men. It's interesting that he mentions these two ladies because these two ladies were arguing with each other. They were in a battle. They were fighting. They didn't agree. And it's amazing how when there's a fight going on, it not only takes joy out of the people in the fight, but it just kind of absorbs all the joy in the room and just takes it away. You know, (laughs) I was reading a story about these monks. that They lived in a monastery, and they could only have one monk speak one time a year, and it was on Christmas. So the first Christmas, Brother Thomas got up, and he said, I loved how delightful the mashed potatoes were. We have them every year at Christmas, and it was great. He sat down then for 365 days. There was no one talking. And then on Christmas, Brother Michael got up and he said, I think the mashed potatoes are lumpy. I truly despise them. And then another 365 days went by. And finally, one monk got up, Brother Paul, and he said, I'm fed up with all this constant bickering. (laughs) So you have these two sisters, Euodia, okay, and Syntyche. Someone called them Eurodius and Suntachi, all right? But these ladies are fighting with each other. And you know, fighting with others will not only steal your joy, it will leave you with the, without the ammunition that you need to face the real battles that are out there in your life. You know, when, when there's fighting going on and, and you're in conflict, What's amazing, division comes in, and then instead of fighting the, three, the forces that are outside, you're fighting against each other, and it just steals the joy out of your life. And this was going on in the church there in Philippi. 
I mean, they were supposed to be a witness to the world. They were supposed to be sharing with everyone everywhere the joy and the wonder of Christ. But instead, right in their own midst, here are two of their leading ladies fighting with each other. And I don't know what they could possibly have been disagreeing about, but it was a horrible time. And I was reading about a famous British admiral, Admiral Phillips, and in the 1750s in Canada, with the French and the English were fighting. And so he brought his armada there, and they, they had their special battleship there, and he was waiting for the ground forces to show up. And he got so bored, and he got so ticked off, because in the city was a big cathedral, and on the city, on the top of the cathedral, there were all these statues of saints. And he was kind of ticked off, so he started telling his guys his cannon guys, to start shooting at the, the saints, the statues of the saints. So every day they were just blasting away at these statues. Well, by the time the ground forces came to, to town, by the time they showed up, he'd blown all his ammunition. He'd blown everything shooting at saints, and he had nothing for the war ahead. And that happens a lot of times. We, we're shooting each other, okay? We're fighting with each other, whether it's in the home, or at the job, or in the family, or wherever it is in the community, instead of being a confined force. And so joy can be stolen if we're not confident. Nothing steals joy quicker than fighting. It's amazing. David, you know, it can take joy right out of a family. This is what happened in a family. In 1 Samuel 20, it says, Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger on that second day of the feast, he did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. I mean, these people were Israelites. They, were, they had all kinds of enemies all around them. But here they are. They're fighting with each other. King Saul's mad at David. David's trying to get out of his way. Spears are being thrown at him. And all of a sudden, instead of joy, celebrating God's goodness, they're fighting with each other. What a sad thing. Uh, instead of fighting, they should have been gentle with each other. And that's what that scripture says in Psalm 4, in Philippians 4, 4, verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. What's that word gentleness mean? What's it mean? Actually, the Greek word can also be translated clemency. In other words, you may have a right to have an argument but show clemency, show forgiveness, show gentleness with other people. And that's the key to bringing joy into a situation that can be divided. You know, now, the second thing is not only does joy, uh, uh, not only joy is stolen quicker than not just by fighting, but what fighting comes from. And that's rivalry. And look at this. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says this. Now I plead with you, brother, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you will be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's house, have told me, informed me, that there are quarrels among you. And now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, I am of Paulos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? In other words, this rivalry is going on. And a lot of times, it just steals the joy from our life. How many know, don't you love it? Pastor Todd got up and Pastor Katie got up and they said, it wasn't just about us who went down to Mexico. It's about all of us. Can I hear an amen? See, there's no rivalry. We're all together. We're a family and we can't let that rivalry happen. You know, in the Andes, there's this big statue of Christ called the Christ of the Andes. <laughs> and... 
It was put there because Chile and Argentina were fighting with each other. But they set this thing up to say, as long as this statue of Christ stands between Argentina and Chile, there will be peace between our countries. But you know what happened is, pretty soon the Chileans were a little bit ticked off. Because see, the Christ was facing Argentina, and it wasn't facing them. And they were kind of upset, you know, hey, how did this work out, you know? We just seen the backside of Jesus, not the front side, you know? And they were a little bit excited. But then one author, one writer of the newspaper had an idea. And he put it in his newspaper, and he said, the people of Argentina need more watching over than the Chileans. <laughs> and that settled the problem right there. But you know what? Christ is at the center. We shouldn't be arguing. Rivalry has been a part of human history from the beginning. Look at Cain and Abel. Brothers didn't get along from the very beginning. The Bible tells us in 1 John 3, Cain, who was the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. It's been with us for ages, and rivalry can lead to fighting and steal a joy. Thirdly, nothing she has joy quicker than showing allowing the fight to go on because it spreads to other people. It doesn't just stop with the two fighting. It can spread to other people. Hebrews 12, 15 says, Looking carefully, lest we fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. In other words, if you're letting joy go out of your life because you're fighting with other people and your family, your friends, your workplace, wherever... It won't just stop there. It's like a cancer. It starts to spread through everybody around. You know, I was reading a book about what happened in the Holy Land and how it led to the Crimean War. It's amazing. If you go to the, to the, sepulcher, of the, of the, the, uh, uh, the sepulcher of the Nativity in Bethlehem, the, the, the uh, sanctuary there, I've been there. What I didn't realize, though, the first time I visited, I found out later, it used to be there were two parts of the church. We had the Catholic Church and the Russian Orthodox Church. And they both claimed ownership. And the Catholics had their star up, and the Russian wanted their star to come down. And they want to put their star up over the church, kind of as a symbol of, the, of when the star appeared over Bethlehem. My daughter lives in Bethlehem, right next door, actually, in Bethjala. But they work in Bethlehem. They're part of a Christian ministry there. But what I didn't know is they started fighting with each other. And pretty soon, what happened is the fight just didn't, wasn't just between the Russians and the Catholic Church, but then the Russians, uh, the Turkish sided with the Catholic Church, and then the Russians sided with the Russian Church, and pretty soon it led to a war called the Crimean War that lasted for three years where France and England got involved, and it was a massive war that went on for years, and thousands of people were slaughtered, all because two branches of the church were fighting over one star. Can I say, oh me? Can you say, oh me? So sad. It doesn't stop there. But I got a, I've got an antidote here, okay? An antidote. Uh, that's the joy giver. Number one, work for unity. Amen. Work for unity. So Paul writes to them. He says, we got Euodia and we got Syntyche and they're fighting. So he says, I urge you also, true companions, verse 3 of chapter four, uh, 4, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. 
In other words, go to them. Let's get them reconciled. Let's work on this. Let's not let disunity go along anymore in our midst. Ephesians 4.1 says, Therefore, as prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How can we bring unity? Because if we bring unity, joy will come back. It helps reduce the stress by being a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. Matthew 5, 9 says this, How joyful are those who make peace. How joyful are those who make peace. Can I hear an amen? For then you will be recognized as a true child of God. You know, so many people, I've written a whole article about how today in America, people are going to their jobs and they're feeling so stressed out because there's so much um, uh, rudeness and attitudes and, and they literally, it's affecting their health. And they did a 20-year study and they found that people that are working in an environment that's filled with division and arguing and all that, that they literally die earlier than those who are not in that situation. And so in, if you're in a situation where there's disunity or problems, be a peacemaker. Come into that situation. I love, in Proverbs 12, 20 says, Deceit is in the heart of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. Can I hear an amen? <clears throat> Number three, reach out in love and encourage someone. Um. As you can tell, I, I had to have that drink of water. I, uh, as you know, I, I experienced tongue cancer a year and a half ago, two years ago. And so as a result, my throat dries up sometimes. But praise God, the cancer's cured. Can I hear an amen? amen. <laughs> and it's amazing. Uh, have you ever noticed in a game these days, after somebody makes a basket, everybody's around and they do this, right? Or they do the bump, right, like that? And, and really, what, what was that? I'm sorry. <laughs> Why do they do that? Because they've discovered that skin on skin, hugs on hugs, literally builds peace and love between one another. So build, build, be a peacemaker. Number two, joy stealer number two, anxiety. In Philippians chapter 6, it says, be anxious for nothing. Anxiety will rob you so quick. We all face anxiety. It's amazing. I was reading about one uh, uh, social media commentator, consultant in Brooklyn. She said this, when I don't hear from my friends for a day, my thought is they don't want to be my friends anymore. It's amazing the kind of anxiety we have today. Thousands of people were soon uh, began to offer up their response. She sent out a tweet. One of the tweets, that, that one of the responses, that was reposted a thousand times. Man, people were going, you know what, that really relates to me. And you know what she said? If you're not a human being, if you're a human being living in 2017 you're, and you're not anxious, then something's wrong with you. Wow. Life's problems can be over, overwhelming. Anxiety can steal your joy. King David faced this one time. Let's read, read the story. 1 Samuel 30. David has come back now to his town. He's been gone. He comes back to his town with his men, and the whole city's burned down. When David and his men came to the city, they found it burned down. Their wives and sons, daughters were taken captive. 
So David and the troops with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no strength less to weep. David's two wives, Ahimon of Jezreel, Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel, had been taken captive. And David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of every man was grieved for his sons and daughters. You know, anxiety like King David can go so deep into your soul. And the psalmist David wrote this, or Proverbs, excuse me, written by his son Solomon says, A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. It literally sucks the joy out of you. Anxiety can do that. But there's an answer. Joy giver number two. Seek God when you're in difficult situations that are causing you anxiety. Pastor Todd gave me an amen. Can I get some others? Okay. Thank you. Philippians. This is what Paul says this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So this is what David did. David sought the Lord. He overcame his anxieties. Let me go back and read it again. David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He got joyful. He said, it's going to work out. It's going to be okay. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Abinelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord. In other words, he started praying about it. He started seeking. He said, should I pursue these raiders? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, the Lord replied. You will surely overtake them and rescue the captives. You see, if anxiety has stolen your joy, do what David did. Encourage yourself, say it's going to work out, and then go after it. Go pursue it again. Psalm 42 says, David is speaking from his heart. My tears have, have been my food both day and night, while men are asking me all day long, where is your God? These things come to mind as I pour out my soul, how I walked with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and praise. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why the unease within me? Put your hope in God, for you will yet praise him for his presence. Can I hear an amen? amen? Psalm 94 says, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Hallelujah. I love that. So many times we were crushed by the circumstances, the anxieties. I love the fact that that, that, our, that our pastors here are so, ang so transparent about their battles. And, and I want to be transparent, too, because I can't tell you the times when, whether it was facing cancer or, or whether we're just wondering about, you know, what's my future? Is anxiety comes pouring over me? But I've learned, I know, that if I seek the presence of God, if I go to him, hallelujah, my enemies are going to flee away, and I'm going to get my joy back. Amen? You know, uh, there was a famous Napoleon general who came to an Austrian town with 18,000 men to attack the town. And the town leaders were freaked. <coughs> they thought, we're going to have to surrender here. But the deacon of the local church said, you know what, guys? It's Easter. Let's not worry about this. Let's go to church and leave everything in God's hands. 
And you know what? The leaders could have thought, wow, that, I don't know about go Go to church instead of negotiating and surrender. Go to church? Okay, we'll go to church. So the deacon went to church and started ringing the bell of the church to call the people to church. And you know what? The, the, the uh, French army, you know what they thought? They thought that the Austrian army had shown up. And before the bell was through ringing, they had all split and fled away. And you know what, friends? If we can learn to go to God, we're going to see our enemies split and roll away. <laughs> Amen? Joy stealer number three. How am I doing on the time? We're going to be it. We're going to make it, okay? I won't keep you from your uh, lunch. All right. Discontent. So not just division can cause that problem, okay? Not, not just division. Not just anxiety can steal your life. But being discontent. You know, I wonder about this lady. I didn't meet Rosa, but I just can tell from the, from the situation that even though she was sleeping on people's couches and she was a single mom with two children, that, that she was not going around all day complaining. I think she was going around hoping and trusting. In Philippians 4:10, Paul says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely didn't, did care but you lacked opportunity. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. And you know what? In prison in those days, they didn't feed you. It wasn't part of the deal. They didn't have a, an Xbox in there for you to play. You know, they didn't bring you meals three times a day, all right? You, you starved unless you had friends to feed you in jail, to take care of you. That's the way it was. And he said, you know, you guys cared for me. I know that, but you didn't have the ability to do it. And he could have been unhappy about it. You know, there's, a, there's some sources of discontent. There's some sources of that. First one's covetousness. In Proverbs 27, 7, it says, Just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. Wow, it's like, you know, we just got to have more and more and more. How many realize we live in a time when we have so many blessings? Can I hear an amen? We got air conditioning today, right? wasn't too long ago. Churches didn't have air. You had to use those fans that the, uh, the, the, the uh, funeral home gave you, if you want to. <clears throat> right? I mean, we're, we have so much today. Just go down and see what Rosa had before. But, you know, we want more and more. First Timothy chapter 6 says, but people of crept minds who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is the means to financial gain. That godliness is means a financial gain. In other words, they just, it's all about getting more. It's about getting more. And if you're always into that, you're going to easily, quickly see your joy dry up. Number two, comparison. If you're looking at what others have and you don't have what they have, Paul said to the Corinthians, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with those who are commending themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they're without understanding. I read an article in, uh, came out in Time magazine, and it was about social media and what's it creating anxiety and frustration and stealing people's joy. And they said of all, whether Facebook or Twitter or whatever, all these other things, they said the worst one is Instagram. And I read, what, what, what? Yeah, because he said, you see friends constantly on holiday, enjoying nights out, can make young people feel like they're missing out while others enjoy life. These feelings can promote 
a compare and despair attitude. Wow. Suicide's going up everywhere. Final point. Joyce Steeler, number three, doubting God's goodness. In Exodus 15, we see how the children of Israel are now no longer slaves in, in Egypt. But now look at what they're doing. Moses led the Israelites from sea, the Red Sea, and they went out into the desert of Shur. For three days they walked in the desert without finding water. And when they came to Merah, they could no longer drink the water, could not drink the water because it was bitter. And that's why they named it Merah. They thought, wow, they saw all the miracles that happened in Egypt. I mean, plagues, phenomenal stuff. They, I mean, all these things are going on. They're now safe, and they're out in the desert, and, and God's going to take care of them. And yet they're going, we haven't had water. There's no water here. And they start complaining. How many know God created the universe, right? He can give you water anywhere. But he wants to see your heart attitude, whether you thank him and you doubt his goodness. Well, that gives me joy, giver number three, contentedness through Christ's strength. So Paul writes to the Philippians and he says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned whatever state I'm in to be content. I know how to be blessed, abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Amen. You know, a lot of times we take that that verse out of context sometimes. Evander Holyfield, I don't know if you knew this, but when he was fighting Mike Tyson, he had that on his robe. He had that. I can do all things. It was like, I'm going to beat up Mike Tyson through Christ's strength. <laughs> but guess what? The next time he got into a fight, he didn't win that time, okay? The next time he got into a fight, he got beat up. So, you know, let's not take it out of context. You see, Christ can give us the kind of joy that the world cannot take away. Christ can give us the kind of joy to face every challenge. And I want to close with this as the worship band comes up and we close our service today. John, Johnny Erickson Todd, I don't know if you, how many have heard of Johnny Erickson? When she was a young woman, she was swimming with her family in the ocean and she broke her neck, and she basically became a quadriplegic. She became very famous because of her faith, her testimony. And she, she followed the Lord with all of her heart. And she did these amazing paintings where she would literally put one of those felt-tipped pens in her mouth and paint just using her head. No arms, no legs, just moving her head. That's all she could move. And she was speaking at a women's conference one time. And a worship team, you can come up. She was speaking at a conference one time. And she was in the ladies' room. Uh, uh, you know, and while she was in the ladies' room, she was surrounded by some of the women. And one lady was putting her lipstick on. And she turned to, she turned to her and she said, Oh, Johnny, you always look so together, so happy in your wheelchair. I wish I had your joy. How do you do it? And all the ladies around are just going, how do you do it? How do you, you just have joy. And she said, I want to be honest with you. I don't do it. She began to describe to them how 
in the morning and she wakes up and her husband leaves for work at six o'clock and then she waits for her friend to come in at seven o'clock and to get her out of bed and to bathe her and to, to make her fix her hair and, and help her get everything on. But she says, before my friend comes, what do you do before your friend comes? And she says, I go to the Lord. You see, I don't have any resources. I don't have a, a smile to take into the day. But I say to God, may I have your smile, God? And so what happens when your friend comes in the door? And she says, I turn my head towards her and give her a smile straight from heaven. It's not mine, it's God's. So whenever joy you see today was a hard-won battle this morning. You see, that's where we get our joy. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Would you stand with me?